it's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we at least attempt to connect the dots between the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, and the intellectual facets of who we are as human beings. And I've said this with every show in 2020, and I'm saying it still in 2021, that the importance that we have all discovered um, you know, during this pandemic, and now we're looking at variants that are coming from other countries that probably will arrive here in the United States at some point in time. But the importance of staying healthy. So, you know, that's part of the physiological facet of who we are. And it's pretty difficult to make the other three work if you're sick. You know, I mean, it's, you just don't have the energy to go do the other work that you need to do on the emotional and maybe the intellectual and the spiritual planes. So I tell people to please go to my website. It's www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And when you get in there, you can sign up for the free Boomers Forever Young newsletter. It's a health newsletter. Um, and you'll be able to access their uh, portal to go in and look at their products. They have some amazing world-class products that can keep you healthy, reduce inflammation, rebuild muscle, uh, make sure that your immune system is high and your inflammation level is low. And that's what we need to do to be healthy. So even if you've had a vaccine, which I know 50% of the United States has probably had at this point, at least one of them, but even if you've had that, it doesn't stop there, people. You've got to still do your part to eat healthy, get plenty of sleep, get fresh air, go out there and exercise. You know, take nutritionals because the soil is so depleted, we can't get everything from our soil anymore unless you're an organic gardener. And my guest today is thinking about putting a little organic garden so she can go in her backyard and pluck whatever she wants to eat for dinner that night. But most people don't, you know, we get them from the grocery store. So if you decide to go in and look at the Boomer products, um, which I would encourage you to do, but if you do that and you decide that you would like to order something, there is a discount um, bar, you know, at uh, checkout. And if you put my name in there, L-U-C-Y, you're gonna get $5 off of each and every order anytime you decide that you want to order. And um, so I would encourage you to go take a look and see what you think. So Kristen is a close friend and I have had you on the show any number of times now uh, in the past. It's coming up on almost three years that I've been doing podcasting. That's hard to believe, but that's where we are. We just get younger, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll affirm that, definitely. Okay. All right. <laughs> And um, so uh, being my guest, uh, we've talked about a lot of fun, fun topics. And if you are wanting to listen to more of Kristen, uh, you can go back into the archives on the show notes uh, on my website. And you'll, there's like 14 pages of shows there, I think almost 150 shows now. But um, you can find her there from older shows. And then, of course, on the podcast that we have, the platforms, uh, you can find her there as well. And so she is a shepherd of the new earth and having committed her adult life to empowering individuals and organizations 
to achieve higher levels of consciousness. I think that is something we all need. And uh, she does this primarily through her work with uh, nonprofit organizations. She's worked as a consultant. Um, she's worked with lots and lots of people over the years individually. And she is a four Claire psychic. Uh, she'll explain a little more of that, what that actually means. She's a medium and she's also a theta healer. So welcome back once again. Yay, it's great to be back, Lucy. And um, we kind of have a little before the show confab where we catch up with each other and build some energy. So, you know, we're really ready to connect with you. And, you know, really our aspiration is that whatever we share today is something that you can apply. You know, uh, Lucy and I are, are not about just talking heads, although you can't see us and we can't really do a workshop. But the point being, we really care deeply about human beings and we really want to see you thriving, you know, in all areas of your life. Well, and, you know, again, with coming out of uh, being cloistered almost for the last year and three months, uh, I think people are almost like craving, you know, human contact. So, I mean, we've had podcasts and we've had social media and everything else, but now we're wanting to actually see the smile behind the mask and, and not just look at somebody's eyes and being able to touch one another again, you know, to give hugs and all the other stuff that goes along with being human. So let's start with describing the first time that you knew that intuition was something that was real. Okay. Um, the first time I knew something that uh, was, uh, I had a, um, I had an experience when I was about 15 years old where um, I was in a dream state. And in the dream, I was fighting off this man. And I was getting, I was actually, when I woke up from the dream, drenched with sweat. And the man was trying to rape me in the dream. Hmm. And I woke up from the dream, my heart was pounding, and it was like I just sat bolt right up in the dream, straight up. And so then, about two, three weeks later, I was in a situation where I was very naive, 15-year-old girl sitting at a bus stop, and someone offered to give me a ride where I wanted to go, and I got in the car with this person. And you didn't know them? I did not know the person, a stranger. And I thought I was, I was very too big for my britches when I was 15. So, and of course, a lot of teenagers feel invincible. Mm -hmm. It's, not, it's sure. not uncommon. And so we're riding down one of the main thoroughfares in Pinellas County. And click, 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 my brain starts to identify this is what was happening in the dream. So I knew right away I was in grave danger. And I needed to get myself out of that situation as quickly as I could. So luckily, I had the suede jacket on that belonged to my friend. And so this, this person, this man said to me, hey, do you want to go over to the beach? Which was exactly the place on the, on the causeway where I was being attacked by this man in the dream. And I said, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do that today. I have an appointment to meet my friend at the mall, and she's expecting me. <laughs> you know, so I kind of talked my way out, and I was able to escape. But I'm absolutely certain of what would have happened had I stayed in that vehicle with that man. 
So, you know... I'm surprised that he didn't just continue to drive you where he wanted to go. Right. I think there was a moment, you know, there was an opening there, clearly. Mm -hmm. And and maybe Spirit knew that there would be a a chance for me to escape, and that's why I got the dream. Mm -hmm. Okay, the the Matrix, whatever, Mm -hmm. sent that data to me. If Mm -hmm. there was no escape, maybe I wouldn't have had the dream. True. But um, somehow there was an open space there. Like, maybe that I didn't really sign up for that in my karmic contract, you know, that was a maybe. That was checked maybe on my karmic contract, you know. <laughs> and and so I was able to get out of it. But mm-hmm. but it, it did it does change, I think, the way that you understand um, the universe a little bit when you when you become conscious or aware that there could be signs or signals that will protect you if you pay attention to them. Right. Yeah. And then when I was a little girl uh, maybe eight years old, my I was once in a car with a, a load of kids, and the woman who was driving us, the carpool person, t- said to everybody, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And people were saying all different things, teacher, fireman, blah, blah, blah. We were uh, elementary, upper-level elementary school, and I, w- I was like eight. Maybe I was, it was third or fourth grade. And I said, um, oh, I want to be a psychic psychologist when I grow up in case people have problems from prior lifetimes. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, what kid knows anything about that? <laughs> and and that's what's really interesting, is my people were not really deeply into anything that would have given me that information. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how reincarnation got on my radar screen. I have absolutely no idea. But, um, but it was, but, you know, I was very thoughtful when asked the question. I remember reflecting on that and thinking, oh, you know, well, you know, people could have problems from prior lifetimes. And unless you're a psychic psychologist, you might not be able to help them. Now, you have read Raymond Moody's Many Lives, Many Masters. You know, actually, I have not read that book. Really? No, you know, a lot of people have done, like, you know, they like to read that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of already sold on the idea Mm -hmm. so early that I never felt inclined to read those, that that content because I, it just seemed like, well, normal and natural to me. Yeah. Oh, I I remember reading it and... um, I guess because he was a medical doctor, it held more weight for me at the time. Of course. And I was thinking, well, if he's experienced this, then it must be real. Right. Um, and, he, you know, he's done a lot of work in the field. But, of course, there's so many other people now that have jumped in and, and you know, explained this kind of phenomenon that, uh, that we do probably have threads. Uh, here's one of the interesting things, for me at least. I, you know the person I'm talking about here, but he was a quantum physicist that I did some um, two and a half years of training with. And one of the things that intrigued me is that we can be living spontaneously these different lives at the same time, just in different dimensions. And so I could be in one dimension as a Native American and side by side is another dimension of maybe when I lived in, um, you know, Poland or in England. And another dimension is right alongside of that that is in today's world. And so the concept from quantum physics is that it can all be going on at the same time, that it's not linear. Right, because time isn't linear. Exactly. So that's really a, a mind bender right there. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. We can kind of handle, oh, you mean I was around in 1900 and now I'm around in, you know, 2021. 
but to think that we're all experiencing it at the same moment. In fact, in uh, one of the Star Wars movies, you know, that happened because she is look, she's standing in front of a mirror. And when she looks one direction, she sees herself going on, you know. One path. Inf- yeah. It, well, it's like infinity. She right. can see one, 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 one. And then she looks the other way, and it's the same thing. So, I mean, she is everywhere at the same time. Right. And that may be the part of our consciousness that is not contained within our personality. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're, there's, a, there's an element that we connect to, the, um, like the life force or whatever, the infinite intelligence where we we are not confined to this time space that we're identifying mm-hmm. or to this personality that we're identifying. Well, I mean, and, and let's, you know, jump here for just a second because you and I can do this together. Um, if, if you really and truly grasp that we are 50 trillion cells that are vibrating, okay? And Dr. Emoto did some research on this with water, frozen water, and looking at how that vibrational frequency changes based on thought. So if we have negative thoughts, it becomes very cancerous looking. If you have positive thoughts, it's beautiful designs. But if we are virtual body suits, you know, at birth, we're this baby, and now, you know, we're 50 or we're 70 or we're 100, you know, but there's this linear time and our body suits change as we grow and as we age, then you know, thinking about the fact that we are just vibrational frequencies. So we could technically be in a lot of different virtual body suits. Yes, I suppose that's correct. (laughs) I love all of that, Lucy. I do. But I also feel like most of us have our hands full right here in the 3D for the most part, you know? And most of the work that I do and have done and will continue to do you know, has to do with not not so much the fringes of the esoteric, you know, possibilities. Mm-hmm. To know that they're there, mm-hmm. to embrace them, to, you know, whatever, reflect upon them. But, you know, how do we make that, how do we integrate those kinds of realities into our day-to-day living? You know, well, how, does, how, do we, how do we live differently because we understand that we're spiritual beings? Well, but that's part of the show today, too, is, is looking at the fact that when somebody does die, are they really gone? Or are they just in that next dimension and they're available? Because you get messages as a medium yes. from individuals. And, you know, I think most people, after somebody dies, feels like, you know, maybe they can communicate at least for a while. So I, that's why I think it all kind of can be tied together. I don't want to put a bow on it, but I oh do, no, no, I, absolutely, it can be tied together. And I just wanted to bring it back into the three D a little bit because I think most people feel maybe this is my own experience, but just as a, a professional, a homeowner, a mother, um, I have a lot of big friend network. Um, just kind of keeping all of those you know different plates Balls in the air. spinning. <laughs> Um, can be a lot of focus. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the way I've been fortunate enough to be able to um, kind of have special times to just focus on my spirituality or whatever. And, you know, as you know, Lucy, I, I took refuge as a Buddhist about 30 years ago. And, you know, to be honest, the part that's most important to me is my intention shaping. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the energy that I'm carrying in my heart center. 
So, you know, I may or may not have the intellectual capacity or the, you know, the really be able to get my mind in a tacit way around those really heavy, you know, quantum physics things. But I do know what is the energy of my heart at this moment. Mm-hmm. That I always can know. <clears throat> and so, and somehow, miraculously, we don't really know how it works. When our heart center is aligned and when we have peace and love in our heart, magically almost it seems like, um, things work at the quantum level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and a part of that, and I you know, have brought this up on, the, on previous shows, but a part of that is we actually have 40,000 brain cells that reside in our heart. And so when we can come from our heart center, it will always align us and guide us correctly. Right. So in a lot of ways, that ultimately is the, the core of the work. You know, on other shows, you know, I've called myself the empathy enhancer. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because we all have this ability to go to that place, but sometimes we don't know exactly where to go with it once we're there. You know, like, okay, I get it that this other person's having a different experience. Or, oh, I get it that, you know, there could be suffering involved with this situation. Or, oh, I get it that, you know, maybe we're not being, we're not really aspiring to the highest ideal. And we're, you know, because you can see that things could be better in a particular area of how we're running our lives or, you know, our communities or whatever. So once you start there, you know, once you're feeling into, you know, the suffering of the situation, whatever it may be, then there's like a reason for scientific inquiry. You know, Mm -hmm. this is where sort of there's a dance between, you know, if there's a reason to, you know, explore how to make something better, then we can create new possibilities. If we just think, oh, that's mine the way it is, don't worry about it, well, that's life, you know, whatever that kind of attitude, well, then nothing new ever is going to happen for ourselves or for our community or for our world. So that's staying plugged in. And um, I just wanted to say a little bit about I'm really firmly planted, and it's important for me to help people understand that we don't have to have a conflict between spirit and science. Mm -hmm. That science and spirit can be considered absolutely in the same container and they ought to be considered in the same container. Mm -hmm. That when we get too heavy into, you know, in the empirical side, we lose some of the magic of being and there's, you know, the joie de vie of being alive and the magic of it. And if we're too far in the woo, then we can get ungrounded and, mm-hmm. and then we're not using our intellect in the way to serve the greater good. And, and that's exactly why, you know, I did the show is, is the balance is what's important. I mean, we can, and you and I both have known very spiritual individuals that are not grounded at all and they have usually enormous physiological issues as a result, um, whether they're way overweight or they have all kinds of health problems, breathing problems. But, you know, that happens to them. And so if we can somehow form this balance between the four aspects of who we are, then to me, you know, there's no limitation. We, we can become anything. Right. We have much more potential. We can activate a lot more of our human potential mm-hmm. when we can keep all the different areas of who we are, um, at least, you know, pay some attention to them, keep them alive. Keep them alive, <laughs> yeah. Give okay. them some food every once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> you know, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, mm-hmm. right. those areas. Right. So today we were going to talk a little bit about my experiences as a medium. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And this is kind of fascinating what happens. Yeah, and you know, what, I, what I've what i decided for myself um, when I think about what happens to a person when they cross, I feel like there's something like an energy signature for mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean the, the vivifying life essence is still with them, but it means that somehow the essence of who they were is sort of like in a... Um, well, sometimes they refer to it as the Akashic Record. But I like to think of it more like, it's just like a, sort of like a stamp. Like there's a stamp of, of the, the essential nature of who they were that it now exists outside the time-space continuum. Okay, and it has, it has a um, sort of a life within a container, if that makes any sense. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's still kind of the same as it was as that person was, um, I from what I've gathered and from what I'm observing, a person could pass and that time signature still exists, but then the energy of who they were be, goes into a new, a new body. So that's a little bit, could be a little confusing. It almost starts to feel like the multidimensional thing we were talking about, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I think this is, can actually happen is I did watch something where there were two mediums where one was interviewing the other about a child who had passed away. And apparently there's like a big case and a big show about it on TV and I was watching it and I thought why am I watching this because it was kind of scary and dark and then I realized I was watching it because I I needed to learn more about what happens to people in the afterlife you know Mm -hmm. that's why I was being drawn to it Mm -hmm. and it was like okay this is this is how it seems to be to me that once that energy is free from that person it could go and, and this is what she said she would the family that the child had been in was a very wealthy family, but they were not really a loving, warm family. And they would actually drug their child when they wanted, yeah, uh, the parents were doctors, and they would do a low dose of, of a, um, like a sleeping type of medication, a sedative, a sedative mm-hmm. so that they could go do stuff when the child went to bed. So they didn't have to have a babysitter right oh, there, like if they were goodness. nearby. Wow. And the mother overdid it and she killed her child and the father did not want the mother to know and so they had the body removed and it was like this big mystery and it was a kidnapping case and all this okay but the child okay has spoken subsequently through mediums and said okay no this is what happened but i'm not going to go public with all the details of this she kind of just um alluded to what happened she didn't feel that it was her job to put that mother on the hot seat, that she just wished the truth would come out so true healing could happen. She was very gentle, kind, and loving in all the wording about the way she described the situation. And she said, oh, now I'm in another body, I'm someplace else, I'm with a loving family. We live very simply. She was like in Tibet or someplace, you know, in another family. And they had a simple life, poor, but very happy and a lot of love. So it was really interesting, you know. So she experienced both sides. Yeah, right, exactly. And um, so that kind of gave me, I, I, it felt like it rang true, like when I was watching the mm-hmm. mediums. And that's kind of what I think people ought to do when they are experiencing anything relative to anything that's outside the five senses. You have to feel it yourself. You have to feel, does this ring true for me? All right, so I'm going to share, and I think you know this, but I'm not absolutely sure you know this. When my husband died, uh, it's been over three and a half years now, 
but he knew that I believed that we are nothing more than vibrational frequencies. And um, because of the illness that he had, he had been cold um, most of, I would say, a good three and a half to four years you know, prior to that. He had a condition that's called pericardial effusion. And so he had fluid that was literally crushing his heart. So it changed his circulation, therefore his hands and his arms and feet, the extremities were more chilly. And so he would always have uh, warmer clothes on, especially here in Florida in the summertime. You would not want long sleeves on and heavier, but he did. He needed that to stay warm. So after his death, um, one of the things that had happened is he prevented his son or myself. We could have both been there at his side at the time he died, but they had sent me home saying it would be the next day, and he was in hospice. And um, so his son was 45 minutes away. I was 10 minutes away. And what happened was neither one of us received phone calls from hospice. He literally blocked our numbers, which you would not believe that somebody could do that's transitioning, but they can. So uh, his son had his phone on him, and it rang twice, went to message. I had my phone right next to me. It rang twice, went to message. And so they finally called his daughter in Minnesota, and she got the call and called me. And by the time I got to hospice, he had passed about five minutes earlier. So generally speaking, when somebody dies, they become very pale, and they become cold. When I walked in and I picked up his hand, it was warm for the first time in three and a half years. And his face was pink. And it stayed that way for two and a half hours while we waited for the coroner because he didn't die until almost 11 o'clock at night. And so they had to find the coroner, then they had to bring, you know, come to the hospice center. So it was almost two hours. And I think the reason for that is, is this, is, you know, it's a concrete thing. You know, you can't make up the fact that his hands were warm and that he had color. And yet once the coroner got there, and I walked out of the room at that point, when I came back in, he had turned white and he was cold. So he wanted me to understand that my thoughts of nothing more than frequencies and energy were true. And he was making sure I understood that. Right, and that's <clears throat> that's what how it seems to work mm -hmm. in these communications. Um, the first time I had a communication like this, I, I was much younger. I had I I just part of how my intuitive abilities opened up was I think I might have had something was going on when I got here. Okay, my mm -hmm. grandmother was very intuitive. My dad was very intuitive. My mom is intuitive. But none, nobody did anything professionally with mm -hmm. their abilities. And mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily focus on expanding them. But I did yoga as a teenager, which expanded it more. I did a lot of meditation from an early age. I took a course in, high, in college called the Psychology of Consciousness. And that was like my whole semester project was to meditate and then keep track of, you know, how that affected me. Mm -hmm. So I've been, you know, working with opening up my intuitive abilities since I was a teenager without knowing it. Because I didn't even know that yoga opened your intuitive abilities when I was doing yoga. I was just, I just wanted to do yoga. So um, when I was finishing college and during my, co during the college years, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be getting a degree. And I was really talking to the universe in an open way. What do you want me to do with this? I've got this four-year degree. You know, what am I supposed to do with this now? You know, I'm going out into the world. And, you know, I had that intentionality of service 
this was before I even became a Buddhist, but I had this intention about I'm I'm here to be of service to others. Mm-hmm. That was just in there. I don't know how that got in there, but it was. So then when I was finishing college, the first time I had a mediumistic experience was I had about four days where I was, I would say, in sort of an alternate or ecstatic state. And um, I'm not exactly sure where that came from or how it, how it came to be. But I was driving up uh, 19A or 19 in, um, in Pinellas County. And suddenly I get this feeling that I should turn into the German American Club which I've never been to, but I'm just like, okay, I'm in, I'm here, I'm going into the German American club. I go inside and I sit down just on the inside of the door and I sit next to this lady and I start talking to her. And then pretty soon her deceased, I'm feeling like somebody wants to communicate with her from the other side. I'm, this is, it had never happened to me before in my life. And um, the lady is there, and I start talking to her. We're talking, and then it was clearly, it was, I don't know even know how we got to the point, but it was messages from her husband. Her husband wanted to talk to her. They had made an agreement before that, um, that before he passed that they would stay in communication after he passed. So I forgot exactly what he wanted to say to her, um, and this was the first time this had ever happened to me, so I'm like really winging it. But, you know, I had always been, I had already been in, you know, been around AA and recovery things and I'd been in group therapy myself. So I'd been in therapeutic environments and I had my degree and I a little bit knew how to be, I don't know, I guess, consultative in a kind and loving way, be, you know, give some loving presence. And at that moment, she wasn't ready. She said, I know that I signed up for this. I know that um, we agreed that we would do this, but I, I just can't. She was still in too much grief, you know, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. his passing. Mm-hmm. And so basically they just sent I love you messages, I think, back and forth. And then, and then that was it. No more. Because she couldn't do it right then. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't healed enough to, to talk to him. So that was the first time it ever happened to me where something happened like that. And it was, you know, I, I guess I wasn't, I don't remember being thrown off by it. But it was sort of like, wow, that was different, you know. <laughs> something different (laughs) yeah for your for your first go at it yeah and then it started happening again um later on in this metaphysical store i used to go to in our area called the um that was the purple moon back in the day Mm -hmm. and people would be standing in line to um get psychic readings this was before i was a reader i was working in you know traditional environments doing all different manner of things um, I was actually doing helping people get jobs at that time in the workforce world, and I was standing waiting for my frappuccino, and people are waiting in line to get their reading, and I felt like folks from the other side wanted to send messages, you know, to people that were <laughs> standing in line for the psychics. And I'm like, oh great, how do you handle this? I don't want to be disrespectful to the folks on the other side that want to send messages, and yet I'm not here to work. Right, right. So I just, I don't remember. I think maybe I spoke a little bit to, you know, the people that were waiting in line. But um, that was another time where it just started knocking on my door and I knew it was there. And I, you know, I, I for some reason was conscious that there were people who were into the woo, okay, readers, whatever, who were not very mentally healthy. 
And I had some healing I needed to do earlier in my life. And I just felt like, you know, I just don't know how deeply I want to get into this talking to the dead stuff right now until I feel more healed (laughs) (laughs) myself, you know. And because I didn't, I wanted to be the well helper, not not the wounded healer. And I, I, it's, I'm thinking like Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> in Ghost. I mean, she was, you know, doing a con job. And then when it really happened, it was like, uh, what, wait, I'm going to put a pause here. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, it's not something that, you know, you should jump into lightly. So then, you know, I've developed, you know, more over time, an understanding of energy and myself and more spiritual practice and this and that. So then it started popping up again, I don't know, probably before I started doing um, professional readings, maybe maybe about six or seven years ago, I was in a diner, and I was eating my meal, it was a place I went frequently, and this lady comes in, and she sits next to me, just a few seats over, we're sort of in a, like a bench seating where there's multiple tables, she's on her end, I'm on my end, I'm at my table, she's at hers. And she shared that her daughter had passed away, which is unusual, you know, for a mother to outlive mm-hmm. a child. She was a, she was an, a woman a few years older than me. Maybe she was in her 50s or 60s. And so I'm thinking, okay, I'm in the diner. I really don't want to be doing messages. I'm here eating my lunch. I really, you know, <laughs> or my breakfast. I really don't want to be doing messages for this lady. Uh-huh. So then she, she finished her meal and she left. And then the waitress, like, prematurely took away my coffee cup like I finished my meal and normally at that place I'd sit and have like two or three cups of coffee so I thought okay well um I guess I'm supposed to leave here I'm not sitting here so I was like fine my coffee cup's gone my food my plate you know I've eaten my food so then I'm like hey I'll just pop over here around the corner and check out the consignment store because it was a fun place to go well, guess who's standing in the consignment She's store? In there. Yeah, yeah, she was in there. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting the message. I need to go talk to this lady. So I approached the woman. I said, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but, you know, I'm a medium and I feel that there could be some messages for you. And she's like, oh, it's fine. My mom and I, we used to go see a spiritualist after church every Sunday. It's fine. Don't worry about it, blah, blah. So long story short, it was not her daughter who needed to speak with her, but her brother, apparently, who had passed, you know, at some other point and not, not, he hadn't been gone too long. And she needed business information about this house that she was selling. So I conveyed the messages and spirit also told me she needed to change the color of the house. Like it was not the, it wasn't going to sell the color that it was. So I told her that I wasn't sure she was going to follow that guidance, but she did like the fact that her brother was there for her, was looking out for her and had some guidance for what she was, should Mm -hmm, be doing. mm -hmm. So that was, you know, sometimes, you know, before I actually had my own practice that included readings, things would just, it would just happen like this. Because I had been, because I've been at, telling the universe for so long, I'm at your service, right. and then I had this ability, so then it would just happen spontaneously like that. Wouldn't it be interesting, and it's not going to happen anytime soon, but I perceive that it could happen, um, but wouldn't it be interesting if we kind of had a phone, per se, that connected us to the divine, or life after life? And that we could just pick it up anytime we needed a little guidance or we needed a little nudge in a particular direction if we were struggling with something. Right. Well, we kind of do. I mean, those of us that do a lot of meditation and stuff, I mean, we have lots of different tools, Mm -hmm. you know, for how we try to 
trap, you know, tap into that. You know, it's hard sometimes. I don't feel we necessarily have great language uh, in English to describe what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, one word that I use sometimes that's not even from my faith, it's from the Hindu faith, it's called Shakti. You know, it's like, where does the energy want to go? And when you follow that, usually good things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when you resist it or you deny it or you're afraid of it, then often you get stuck in like a little cess, a little tide pool where you just go this way, that way, this way, that way, and things don't really move and you don't have a really satisfying outcome or experience. So mm-hmm. so I, I feel like... Um, you know, we are, some of us are kind of doing that to the to the best of our abilities. Now, of course, we're still bringing with us our own karmic vision, our own cultural ideas, you know, that may shape uh, what we're perceiving in ways that are don't make it really, we're not maybe 100% accurate. You know, like we were talking before about signs mm-hmm. and, and about attributed meaning. So sometimes, you know, we might see something or experience something and we think that's God or some force outside of ourselves telling us yes or whatever. But it's, we're not separate from that energy. You know, we're part of that energy and we're co-creating. So things, and once again, if you go to the quantum level, then things are just maybe possibly, you know, like whatever we're being drawn to is also being drawn to us. Okay, so things are co-emergent. Things are happening in a synchronistic and co-emergent fashion mm-hmm. where one is not necessarily causing the other. This morning, um, uh, probably about 10 days ago, I spotted a gecko. And it was not going to let me pick it up or anything else because I always take them back outside. And it was on the ceiling, and of course the cat saw it, and I'm sure the gecko saw the cat and saw me. And then he disappeared. This morning, maybe 10 days later, um, I was making the bed, and now he's pretty dehydrated. I do not know how he even has survived because he's not looking real healthy. Right. But this time I was able to take, you know, the little bathroom cups, I was able to take two cups because that's normally how I get them back outside. And he ran into the one, and then I put the other one over it and took him, you know, outside. And just, you know, wished him well because I, I, I know he needs water. Um, I th- suppose he might have crawled in the bathtub from time to time to get some water. But no, no I don't know what geckos eat, but he, I don't think he was eating much. And he had definitely um, gone down in size from what I had seen originally. So I think animals, you know, plants respond to our energy. Oh, absolutely they do, for sure. Yeah, and we respond to theirs as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, when I sit on my front porch and I look at the green vista across the way, I feel energized. And when I did the Theta Healing Plant Communication Training, there were plants over where I was in Tarpon Springs that knew I had a resentment for my plants that were on my front, you know, yeah, in front of my house. I had to clear that before they would really talk to me. Really? Yeah. So how did you clear it? Well, I just said I was sorry, that I appreciated them, you know, that I just kind of, in my mind, I had imagined that I would prefer that they were on the other side of the house, but it was okay, and I would work with them and, you know, make the most of the fact that they were where they were, you know, so. And so did they get healthier? Well, the plant, they were always fine. It's just the new plants where I was taking the class were not going to be talking with me too much until... I cleared that, okay? okay? That was the first thing on the agenda. And then they also said that I was going to be communicating with other people for the plants and the trees, which at the time I thought, great, they're really going to put me in a mental institution. <laughs> um, but then as it turned out, there were a lot of people that started manifesting, showing up in my circles and in my life that said, oh, you know, the, the message was like, hey, you know, the whole point for their existence is to serve us. 
and they love us, but they would like more respect and appreciation and care than they are currently receiving from us. So that was the message, which I'm sure many, many indigenous people have received this message for a long, long time. Um, but they just got to the white girl now. So I'm supposed to be talking about that, too. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, that was a bit odd, you know, that I would be speaking for them. But at this point, I'm like, that's fine. You know, I, I guess there are, uh, like I said, enough people who I, I'm in community with that understand that, yes, they can communicate with us. That uh-huh. it makes sense like that. So I'm going to talk about another time with the medium thing. Sometimes one or two times, well, this was more, this was a medium thing combined with a precognitive dream. I had a dream about a car I was going to buy. I had crashed my car and I needed a new car. So I have this dream about this lady. And um, I, I, I'm in her living room. During the dream, I was in her living room, and I, I can visualize where the lady was standing and where the table was. And, um, it, you know, we were doing, like, a negotiation about the price of the car. Well, I also somehow knew that there was a message for her from her, uh, it was her deceased husband who had departed recently, needed to communicate with her. So at the end of the whole car buying thing, I'm like, once again, it's sort of like a hard topic to broach if you don't know how the other person feels. You know, I don't remember what her name was, but I said, well, before we, you know, say goodbye, I need to let you know something. And she, it had been a very difficult relationship with this man. Apparently, he was very old school, very crunchy, um, did not, you know, share his feelings, you know, very much. And she just really wanted to know if he did really love her. You know that she just didn't know that for sure and so those you know there was a reassuring message he, she did get the reassuring message that she was seeking um, but that was that was an interesting thing because it was a combination of you know a precognitive dream mm-hmm. with with the uh, yeah with the, the medium thing uh-huh. so that was that, <laughs> I, I mean I when you're really in touch with those abilities I'm in touch with them occasionally, mm-hmm. but I don't have myself totally open up to that. But do you monitor? Because I would think sometimes if you were in, I don't know, Publix or Walgreens or CVS that you could be... Oh, yeah. I really don't keep my portal open much. Mm-hmm. Like in those cases, there must have been some kind of a synchronizing. Like mm-hmm. I needed a car mm-hmm. and she needed a message. So somehow the universe gave me that dream and I got my need met and she got the message that she needed. That she was loved. Or, right, exactly. Or, you know, I'm in the diner, I'm eating my breakfast, the lady shows up, I'm going to the store anyway. So I, I guess the way this works, because I don't know this personally per se, but you can regulate basically how open or how closed you are and because my primary practice is mindfulness and being in the present I'm not like leaving my third eye blazing wide open 24 7 which would not be healthy for you no I did have an experience of that one time during that four-day ecstatic period where I walked into a store a bookstore in a mall and I felt like I could feel every vibration of every letter yeah. of every page yeah. and I could not get out of there fast enough right so um, so for me I really don't go around with my portals open all the time mm-hmm. when it's time or when I'm doing a healing you know process then that's when I open myself like that well and it almost seems I mean like let's go back to the lady that was at one end of the 
table and you yeah. were at the other end, yeah. it's almost like the universe kind of taps you on the shoulders and said, yeah. I would like for you to help yes. this person. Yes. And then if you're open to that, yes. it happens. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And unless, you know, in this other umbrella, I have hung my shingle, I am a reader, I am here to help you. You know, then I'm opening it up wide and, right. you know, often, you know, people will come in, you know, right. at that time. Even as a theta healer, which you are as well. Yeah. Um, you have to be open to receiving the messages that are going to be coming through, right? Right. Well, I, I actually had a medium kind of thing-ish. I'm not sure whether I was just seeing the woman or whether she was there. I'm not exactly sure how it went, but... I think she was actually, her, her energy signature was showing up. It was a woman who was not close to her mother, her actual mother, but she was kind of guarded and still processing through some things, and we were doing theta healing together, and I was, you know, doing a, I don't know, asking for confirmation or something, and poof, I see this woman, you know, like a real, she looked like somebody from the 20s, practically, with the long cigarette holder, and kind of flamboyant, <laughs> and she's walking around, and she's like running a lot of stuff, and she's like all like this, and I started to describe her and all that, and, um, and the woman I was working with, my client, said, oh, that's my grandmother. And because she was really essentially raised by her grandmother, not her oh, mother. Okay. okay, so we were doing healing processes, but she had not revealed that to me before. And it was an essential element to her healing process. So the grandmother showed up like, hey, uh, you know, let's get real here. You're in a healing process right now. And let's own the fact that you were not close to your own mother and you need to deal with that stuff. You know, so it was like that. You know, mm. and that's pretty much kind of how I set my psychic compass is if we need this data or this information for healing then I'm open to it bring it but I don't I'm not interested in having a lot of extra psychic data coming in if it's for entertainment just not for entertainment purposes right right because I don't know how you know I don't even the only people I know that just leave it open all the time do not seem well grounded to me mm -hmm. I just don't think it's practical to leave your third eye that blazing open 24-7. Unless you're at a really, really, really high level where you can do both. Where you can perceive that and do your 3D. So there may be people like that. I don't, I don't see myself like that. So I still need to, you know, clean the toilet and, you know, whatever. Water my plants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe somebody who doesn't need to do those things it's just there all the time maybe maybe um, or or people who there are like my spiritual teachers i know they're able to perceive a lot of things at many different levels and do all that 3d stuff right up right along with it uh -huh. so it really depends you know on how developed your mind is you know and i i, I try to not i i try to over promise under promise and over deliver and over deliver yeah that's yeah. my you know both for myself and for others, you know, mm -hmm. because that way we're in a safe zone where I'm not going to say, you know, we're going to be all that in a bag of chips and then we're not. Right. Okay. It's much better for everyone to say, okay, let's work on doing this and achieve that goal. And then once we get there, we'll say, oh, we're here now. Let's see what else we could do, you mm -hmm. know, and, and achieve that next step. And then we're building confidence and we're having a positive experience instead of, oh, you know, we were, you know, we wanted all that in a bag of chips and now we don't even have all that. So... Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly an easy um, uh, journey, you know, to make necessarily. I, I think, you know, it, it obviously you have built 
layer upon layer of success. And when you're ready, you go to the next layer. Right. And so right. It, it's kind of taking you in that path rather than a straight shot for the top. Right. Uh, which... Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm a Virgo. I have four planets in Earth. So, of mm-hmm. course, it would be more natural for me to want to have a lot of Earth involved in things because that's my comfort level. Um, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about my dad. Mm-hmm. I feel like when my, my grandmother and my dad made their transition who I was very close to emotionally, both of them, mm-hmm. uh, within one year. My grandmother passed in October, and my dad was gone in June. Wow. And Now, did they know each other pretty well? Oh, they were they were like um, peas in a pod. Okay. And I feel they travel, they're traveling together. I feel that wherever they both are get reborn, they will mm-hmm. be together, mm-hmm. you know, because they had very close karma. And I think that's why they left close, so that they could co- come back close. Oh, okay. Um, so, anyhow, when they passed... My grandma, I was in a different state when my grandmother passed. No, I was, yes, I was in a, not in a different state, but where was she and where was I when she passed? No, I was in the same state, but I didn't know what was going on with her. But I saw her in a dream. I saw her at this beach property that she had when she was younger, which was like her favorite place in the universe. Uh So I knew when I saw her there, she was gone. And then I got the news that she was, she had passed. And then my dad had been hospitalized later because he was having a lot of problems with his lungs. And I saw him in a dream at that same beach with her while his body was still here and he was still in the hospital. I thought, oh, that's it. He's out. He's gone. He's out. He's going. So when he did pass, I wasn't freaked out. Right. And I did not. I was at my teacher's property at the time and I was not encouraged to run to his bedside. I was encouraged to sit down and say prayers for him, mm-hmm. you know, to help him transition energetically. And I felt kind of guilty later. Um, I was more worried about his wife, who was very dependent on him, and I thought I should go down, you know, once he passed to help her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't mm-hmm. ha- I couldn't be gone from my work and my life for a huge amount of time. And it seemed just inevitable that he was going to pass, and you know, because he was really, really sick. And then she left the country. She just vanished, poof. And then later, every time I would go to a psychic or a reader or anything, my dad would come through. And he came through to me. And he was in my dreams. And he was like everywhere for, for, a lot, for years, for a couple of years, even, even like a long time. And I still feel like he's around. Even so much that there was a person that he knew that was in my social circles. And she was a very good medium and he would he spoke to her and said please watch out for my daughter this was somebody that my dad had a social relationship with and she stuck to me like glue until i pushed her away and said you're driving me crazy you have to go but um so i feel like somehow when my dad crossed over it really amped up my psychic and spirit you know my spirit my uh, intuitive abilities uh-huh. because i had such a strong connection with him and he's over there now Right, and, right. And, so, I mean, yeah. he can enhance that. I think so. Did Did you ever watch Grey's Anatomy? A little bit. Um, this last year, I actually watched it. I had I wasn't a big, big, big fan like some people. Right. But I always found it somewhat entertaining. And right. because of my nursing background, I think I found that kind of intriguing. But this last year, uh, Meredith, who is, you know, the main character, she had COVID. And so for almost the whole year, she was intubated. Um, They thought she was going to die any number of times. And she was on a beach 
you know, like in the, the show, right. they would have people in the hospital that were taking care of her and all the other patients. But when they had communication with Meredith or when she was, you know, like uh, had the, the script going for her, she was on this beach and she was visiting with people who had died that she'd been close to. Right. And so they were communicating and then, you know, she would be able to think about whether she wanted to continue her life. Right. Or whether she wanted to join them on right. the other side. So right. That it was, was like kind of, a review. Yeah. And it was every single show. It wasn't like one show. All these characters that had died kept coming back into her life while she was unconscious, but she was on the beach. And, um, you know, it was it was very well done, actually. There's another show that people would probably enjoy watching if this sort of thing interests them called um, Surviving Death mm-hmm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And it deals with people's experiences who have survived death. And um, one of them was a woman who had a premonition that she was going to die when she was giving birth to her child. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant. And she did speak these words, you know, speak those words to her physician who was a female. But, of course, the fem- her job was to make sure her patient was calm and just tried to reassure her and tell her everything would be fine. Well, apparently it wasn't fine. And she almost died uh, as she was giving birth to the baby. But, of course, now the doctor's been warned. So when there was an emergency situation, it's possible that she was able to respond better because even though she didn't necessarily believe what the woman had said at the time, when it all started to happen, she was like, oh, yeah, and got right on it right. and saved right. her life. And then apparently the woman was outside of her body watching everything that was going on while it was happening and was able to report, you know, exactly which surgical tools were used, you know, so that kind of thing. She was, you know, right. energetically outside her body watching everything. Mm-hmm. And she her report was that after the experience, she just feels more serious. You know, once she realizes it's possible to get a premonition about something bad and that maybe you have to be tuned in to save your life and mm-hmm. save your child's mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. she's a more serious person. She doesn't says she doesn't laugh the same way she did all the time before. Um, and and she's seemed concerned that her husband, you know, she's different. And her husband was always the you know, man of science. And, you know, of course, now he has a different, you know, perception about, you know, metaphysical or intuitive, you know, things that Mm -hmm. his wife might say or be interested in. But she's not that little laughy girl. Right. right. Now. Right. And that really gave me a lot of insight into myself because I've never been a little laughy girl. When you're eight years old and you say, maybe I should be a psychic psychologist when I grow up so I can help people from prior lifetimes, you know, you, you're you always seen as the old soul. You're always seen as the outsider. You're always viewing things from a different perspective. So, you know, for me emotionally, and this is one of the things that I deal with with other people who have gifts, who have always been seeing things from a different perspective, that's not always so easy on you as an individual emotionally in the mix of the whole soup of life. Well, sure. It would be a lot easier, and maybe this is why the majority of people are the way they are, but it's a lot easier to say, I don't want to think about that. Right, 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 exactly. So they don't key into it. Mm-hmm. So we were going to tell the most recent story, mm-hmm. um, which is this happened just a few weeks ago, and it was so moving for me and so powerful and sweet. Uh, there's a spot that I like to take my dog on a walk. It's a beautiful spot in Pinellas County. It's overlooking the Inland Waterway. It's about four or five blocks of old growth oak trees. 
and I don't know, maybe a block wide of green green space, maybe a little less, maybe three quarters of a block between the, the inland waterway and the residential street. So it's just this beautiful little meandering thing. And then when the sun goes down it, there, it's exquisite. It happens, it just so happens that my Facebook page on my professional page on my Facebook is this spot at sunset. So in the middle of all of this area, there's a little curvy sidewalk and a place where you can sit on some benches. So that's where my photograph is that's on my Facebook page. So about two weeks ago or so, I decided to take my dog over there and I've parked my car a little further back and I'm walking up to the spot and I see this man sitting on a bench and he has a watering can and he's apparently uh, made a little garden all around this bench and it's not you know it's a public park and I'm like you know is that your garden whatever so I, I said to him I said oh, that was so nice did you make that garden and he said yes I did and I thought wow that was so sweet and he goes it's for my wife she passed a year ago and we used to come here all the time mm-hmm. so he proceeds to start talking to me about his wife and how they used to come there and how now not just he doesn't just go there to talk to his wife other people go come there and talk to his wife because he's been going there every day for like a year every single day so he's practically opened a portal you know to the other side from all of his communication with his wife who's passed over well he's conversing with me and you know at some point i'm like oh i have to tell him i'm a medium i'm like okay it's time for that question it's time to say that So I told him, and then he started telling me that since his wife's death, he's become way more open to the paranormal, and he's done a lot more exploration into life after death things, et cetera, et cetera. And that even his wife visited him after her death because they were about to have a grandchild, and she shows up in the doorway, you know, and says, oh, I'm ready to go. So I don't know whether that meant she was ready to go to the hospital or she was hanging around here until the baby was born and now she's going to, you know, shoot off someplace else. I don't know what the meaning was there. But the point that was important was that he, I, he, was, he knew it was her and he, he now his, expand, his uh, idea, his worldview has expanded. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking, okay. And then he starts to tell me um, that he's been thinking... I can't remember if I saw the sign first or if he said the thing first. Oh, I think he said the thing first. He said, you know, she's been gone a while. And I kind of can tell that maybe not just now, but pretty soon around the corner, I'm going to be ready to start dating somebody. I want a companion in my life. And um, so we're talking, talking some more. And he's kind of like wondering, you know, I think he did ask me, is anything coming through? And I said, okay, well, just let me take a minute and check and see what comes through. So the only thing that comes through is a tennis racket. I'm like, okay, I'm getting a tennis racket. So then I said, well, Dave, the man's name is Dave and the wife's name is Janice. I got permission and he wanted me to say the real names and honor them that way. So um, so I said, watch this tennis racket. I said, did you and Janice play tennis together? And he said, only when we were dating. Okay, so then we kind of talk a little bit more and it's time for me to go. And I wanted to give him my contact information. So he follows me. I walk back to my car with my dog. He follows me with his car and I'm digging, you know, he helped me get the dog in. And then he says to me, oh, and by the way, Janice told me she would haunt me to the end of my days if I ever slept with anyone else. So dating is going to be friendship only, maybe. <laughs> well, I said, Dave, 
she said that when she was alive, but from what I understand, when folks cross over, their personality, you know, expands and they don't have the same issues they had here and they understand even the things when people were not, you know, well behaved here, they know what their mistakes were when they get to the other side and they often mm. want to make amends for those. And I'm pretty darn sure that she wants you to experience love again. You know, that's what the tennis racket sign was. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is all happening in real time. It's unexpected. You know, Davis, maybe that was a little intense. So I get home and um, he wanted to send me the, um, the information about the surviving death show. So he's emailing me. We, and, and then he asked me again a little later, did you get anything from Janice? Well, I had to write out the whole conversation, explain to him again that, you know, this mediumship business is an art, not a science, that mm -hmm. we have to get the sign and look at it in the context of what is going on and what the conversation is. And it says, it looks pretty clear to me that if she showed tennis ra a tennis racket and the only time that you played tennis was when you were dating, she's giving you the thumbs up for the dating. Right, right. So, you know, that's how I would take it based on what I understand about what happens to people when they cross over and, you know, the whole context of the thing. Yeah. So, but it was so cool to me that that happened right at the exact spot of where I have my Facebook page photograph. Very much so. I mean, it was, that's a deja vu for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to leave it there today. I know you're going to be back in September to do another show with me, but how can people find you if they would like to discuss maybe some of their feelings uh, about wanting to contact somebody on the other side or to talk to you about theta healing or you know just anything how what's the best way for sure. them to get hold of you sure the easiest way is to email me um i'm so old school i'm so sorry but it's my name Kristen k-r-i-s-t-i-n gieselin g like girl two e's s like sam l-i-n number two at gmail.com or you can also call me 727 or text 727 678-3761 or I do have a Facebook page where you can message me it's Kristen Gieselin again my name K-R-I-S-T-I-N G like girl E-E-S-L-I-N and I put M-S for my master's degree on that that's my Facebook page and you can message me there alright well this has just been a fascinating discussion about all the things that we don't understand about the other side and about our intuitive self and maybe following our intuition a little more than a lot of people do because it will lead them, I think, in the direction they're supposed to be going in. So thank you again for coming and being on my show and everybody out there, please go and make this your very best life. You know, try to keep those four areas in balance, the intellectual, the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical. And if you do go to the website um, and want to click into Boomers Forever Young, uh, remember to use my name, L-U-C-Y, to get your discount. Thanks so very much for being part of the show, and we'll see you next week.
Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.